0: This week's episode is brought to you by the Colorado Avalanche. We needed something to cheer for this week, and boy, did they deliver. Let's start the show. This has got to be one of the gutsiest
1: clubs in the National Hockey League. Here's a breakaway. McKinnon. Pure guts.
2: <laughs> they got nothing but guts. the got tackled by Every guy with three big old cow hearts. Two pancreases. Brandon right here with a terrific backhand pass. And look at the patient. My goodness. Guts all over the place. I can't believe it. And after 20.
0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for October eighth, twenty eighteen. Coming up on the show, the Colorado Avalanche opened the season this week, and we'll talk about everything we learned in the process. But before we play the whoosh, I'll we'll shout out the rest of our disembodied voices. It's the same too, as always, and a little too early.
1: Hello, friends.
0: And hello to Tiger Vixen. Jackie, what's up?
1: Good afternoon.
0: Everybody, the Colorado Avalanche are undefeated. Four points in two games, zero points allowed. That, as they say, is how it's done. The Avs opened on Thursday at home against the stupid Minnesota Wild and just clinically took them apart 4-1 in a game that was 2-1 for most of it, but that was not how the game was played. Colorado were dominant. It was just that Devin Dubnik wasn't a trash fire at the Pepsi Center for once. Who knew? They all shot the wild 40 to 21 at the end of the day which is the part where most abs fans from the last decade or so start wondering what they should do with their hands uh, Carl Soderberg with the abs first goal of the season followed up by Nathan McKinnon then empty netters from Mikko Ranson and NJT Confer Earl I know you've talked about this a bit but it really does seem like as the two teams are currently built the abs are water to the Wild's fire
1: yeah it's it's nice that they backed up last season's performance um I mean, we killed them so bad last year that you kind of wondered, you know, like if they were actually in a game, whether we could finish it off. And I, I think we did, we saw a lot better performance as far as controlling the game and basically just dominating um, shot totals. and you, I mean, everything basically. So... I uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that Minnesota is is really starting to slide and the Avs are on the rise now. It was
3: the whole fast team versus a team that's a bit slow and I think this could be something we see carry on through the season where the Avs make a make a lot of up a lot of ground just because of how fast they are. Because it, it's a, it's kind of it's like a buzzword. It's nice to say, but I think they finally are really actually doing it, and you can see it paid dividends. And then a team like Minnesota is a slow team, and even Russo wrote a long article about how this is going to be a long-term problem for them. <laughs> <And> <laughs> That's just that, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> That, uh, um, they're they're going to have to deal with this and it's more than just McKinnon it's it's the team so it was nice to see the the getting players that are fast in particular and then the the conditioning and in that fitness level that they want everyone to have it all came together and and then what a bonus to play a slow team the first game of the season and, <laughs> and you saw the difference
0: Colorado allowed 21 shots on goal total in that game and scored and scored took 18 of their own in the second period. Yeah. When's what, the last time this team had an 18 shot period?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> at last year and, and <sighs> this, this happened basically in both games, but uh, last year we, sh- we saw that they were kind of low on quantity of shots. They, they had good quality of shots And that seemed to be Jared Bednar's philosophy, but they've got both now, and that's scary.
3: And that's one thing that will be great if it can continue, the volume of shots.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, it definitely did continue on Saturday. Avs win 5-2 in a game that was a bit closer than that over the Philadelphia Flyers. Colin Wilson opens a scoring under two minutes in. He would add another on the power play later. Two goals for Colin Wilson as just like everyone expected. Uh, plus, J.G. Comfort, Gabe Landeskog, and the empty net dagger from Nathan McKinnon. Eric Johnson had three assists in this one, including one that was basically a butt assist. Shot totals <laughs> ended up fairly even, although Colorado had a heavy advantage halfway through. Simeon Varlamov was very good. He stopped 28 of 30, which 28 of 29, realistically, because that one was into an empty net. <laughs> <laughs> I... I... Will Barbario vs. Varlamov be the funniest blooper we see all year?
1: I hope so. I haven't even seen a gif <laughs> of it yet. I can't believe that's not, like, all over the place.
3: I haven't been uh, looking for it, but I'm sure it will live on.
1: Yeah, I mean, if this was a weekday game, I think that definitely would have happened. Because um, that, I mean, it's just... Um, you know, I'm glad I can't very think of a dumber play,
0: really. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that didn't decide the game. Like it's great that we can laugh about it. Nobody got hurt. That we know of. It, it didn't decide the game, so we can have a good laugh, but that's...
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> it's just two guys not looking at each other with nobody else even near them. I guess my question is at what point is that play frozen? Because Farley moved the puck with his stick, but then he he jumped on it. So why why wasn't it done then?
1: Okay, and my question is, why wasn't that icing and whistled down as soon as Barbario got to the top of the circles?
0: That's my angle.
3: Because he hit Varley before he well he hit Farley before he crossed the, the line,
0: but he doesn't have to cross the,
1: the line. Yeah, the the puck hit the back. I mean, as soon as the the puck crosses the. the the, the goal line.
0: Is is it the yeah. dots or the top of the circle that the player has but to if get it doesn't to? Well, well, the,
1: the, the puck the board, has to cross the goal line, but the player has to get to the top of the circles first.
0: Okay. That, that's the I earliest it, the ref can decide it's icing.
3: I think if right. the puck doesn't hit the boards, it's not icing, though. Because I remember there was one thing where a stick was laying back there, and the puck hit the stick. And because it didn't hit the boards, if that made it not icing.
0: Huh. I was always right taught now. once
1: it crosses... Yeah, once it crosses the goal line, it's icing, but you have to get to the top of the circles ahead of the opponent. But it's neither here nor there, because they didn't whistle it down, and we got comedy.
0: Yeah, I guess, <laughs> in, in case you miss it, I guess we should explain what happened there. Um, the the puck gets cleared back out of the Philadelphia end, all the way down for what really looked like it sure should have been icing. Um, Barbario's coming back, there's a Philadelphia four-checker kind of behind him, and he... Takes a sec to check where the forechecker is at, like you do, and as he does that, the puck bounces off the boards, and Varley goes, oh shit, and Varley covers. This is yeah. what puts him right in Bar- Mark Barbario's path, who does this w- bizarre little pirouette trying not to crush him too hard, and the puck just kind of floats out for the Philly forechecker to go, oh, easy goal. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's one of those things. Like, uh, you know, if it wasn't so funny, you'd be really angry about it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, thank goodness that didn't decide the game.
0: Yeah, it was a total jackety sacks moment.
1: Well, and if this was two years ago, you'd be like, oh boy, there's the game. (laughs) And you know, the team was resilient. It just, I mean, it didn't even seem to phase anybody. So, you know, um, good, good on them for continuing after that, and. You know, just going about their merry way, dominating the
0: game. So, Patrick Nemeth did not play on Saturday due to, what did they say, an upper body injury, I think?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, which is why we saw Mark Barbario. And, Pat, which is, it's too bad, because I really feel like Patrick Nemeth's game on Thursday was just about the best we've seen from him.
1: Yeah, he was quite good. Um, and... You know, all through preseason, I was I was beating the drum to have Barbario there instead. I, I still think long term that's a better idea to have something like that. But if they're gonna give Zadorov like that, was that was considering that the bottom pairing would be Cole and Nemeth, which I think would be a bad thing. Um, but putting off there and having him be sort of a a puck mover in training, uh, I think that works out okay. So. You know, if they go back to Nemeth, if he's okay for the, the Columbus on Tuesday, then, you know, I, I don't have a big problem with it. Um, I don't know.
3: <laughs> yes, there's a door open, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how we
1: feel in about five, <laughs> ten games from now about, how you know, who should be playing.
0: Yeah. I'm not making know, commentary it's... on who should be playing. I was saying, hey, I'm a, a well-documented Patrick <laughs> Nemeth hater, and he had a good game.
3: Yeah. And well, he didn't I have mean, a I, great I, preseason, so good good for him. Yeah. But yeah, it's a little hard to to really make determinations after two wins when when the whole team largely looked pretty good. So it's it's a little hard to say who can and can't perform in certain roles. But I, I too will give him credit for having a good game after a not so good preseason. And then the the Barbario Zadorov just did not work, which maybe is a little surprising. I guess they're both kind of trying to do the same thing with the puck, but um, this is going to be a problem with Zadorov if they're keeping him in more of that quote-unquote third pair role is he just needs the minutes to get into the flow of the game, get engaged, play physical, which he did do against Minnesota, but he was less into it against the Flyers and it, it's kind of going back down some old paths for him. So um, I, I think if I mean they commit-
1: I think they're being ginger with his because I, I I mean I still think there might be some lingering either shoulder issues or conditioning issues that they want to ease him into and You know, if that's the case, you know, that's not a bad thing. But, you know, he seems like a slow starter. I don't know if historically he is or not, but it just sort of seems like it takes him a few weeks to get going anyway.
3: He was good against Minnesota, though. He was
1: terrorizing them. Yeah, but he just didn't play much.
0: That was one of my favorite parts of the game against Minnesota when uh, he just kind of, like, dumped Nito Niederreiter, who then decided to stop playing offense in a one-goal situation at the end of the game and just stare at Z for like five minutes while the avalanche got the puck back and went the other way, I think, went in the empty net.
1: And I'd give anything to hear what he said to connect me after, that, after <laughs> we put him into the goalpost yesterday.
0: Oh, God.
1: <laughs> he looked very angry.
0: If you guys haven't read the, the recap of that game from Broad Street Hockey, I absolutely recommend it. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not going to spoil the whole thing by any means, but I, I want to read that segment real quick, because it's <laughs> insanely good.
1: I mean, that was just a hilarious sequence.
0: <laughs> it says this. The Flyers continue to get more scoring chances toward the end of the second period, coming into the offensive zone with bursts of energy and peppering Varlamov with dangerous shots, forcing him to make some pretty challenging saves. This flurry of energy came with a downside, however, as we saw Konechny nearly bowl over a very big and scary man named Nikita Sidorov who is surely not to be fucked with. We nearly <laughs> witnessed a murder on ice, as Zdorov responded rationally by pinning Konechny to the ice with a stick pressed against his throat. Cool. Nice <laughs> response.
3: I do wonder if they have history against each other from the OHL. Yeah. That kind yeah. of crossed my mind, but... Maybe it didn't matter because it was a bit of a dirty shot to push him into the net like that and
1: and he yeah. was not. I mean, pleased. It, was like, it was like whistle a second and then boom and it was so late <laughs> so dirty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, that, that kind of sliding into the post is how Steven Stamkos broke his leg the other year. So I mean that's a you don't do that.
1: Yeah. And it's just, why would you do that to someone that's Zadorov size? <laughs> I mean, it's like, that's the kind of thing you do to Kerfa, you know? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he was thinking there.
1: Uh, but with Zadorov, again...
3: he, he is going to have to hand, start handling the puck a little bit better. It has been a bit rough. And that's probably helping keep his minutes down, but... I just worry that it's going to be tough for them to commit to giving Gerard and Zdorov the minutes they kind of really both need to be the most effective, so that's definitely going to be something we're going to need to watch for as the season goes on.
0: Well, so far they've been giving those minutes to Sam Gerard, and he has earned them and a half. I'm very happy about, and you all know that I
3: pounded the table over the summer that Gerard needs those Minutes. I'm very pleased about that, and he—he he definitely looks like he has taken another step.
1: I mean, the, the no-look pass to Comfort on the goal yesterday. I mean, it, it's just amazing. And then you back it up, and you look at sort of Sam gets the puck at the blue line, and right on the. There's a space right in the center of the ice that's vacated by the Flyers, and he moves right into it, and. I mean, it's just, it's a great way of utilizing space given to you, and then the pass itself was fantastic. And, and... he's done
3: that before, and and the goal wasn't
1: converted. Right. He's and done and that props before. to Jimothy Timothy yeah, exactly. for actually getting one in the net, you know?
3: Yeah, exactly. It's just like, Gerard should have more points. Like, he should have had a point on the Soderbergh goal. He should have had a point. I'm not saying, like, they didn't give it to him, but... He he was part of that play. And then he was part of the play that um that Wilson scored on the power play. So it's like Johnson gets the ass assist. Yep. <laughs> and then Gerard basically has to like hand the puck to a guy in the slot to get him an assist.
0: Yeah, they, they really kinda just didn't give him an assist on that on that Soderbergh goal because just because the puck happened to like bounce off of a Minnesota player between Yeah. Sam and and Matt Nieto so like if if it's an assist to cover the puck with your entire body that's an assist to play hypotenuse (laughs) motherfucker too you know
3: yeah yeah so it's just it's like until he really starts racking up the points then he's not gonna get kind of the the full picture of what he's accomplishing out there but I think you know, anyone that's watched the games has seen just the fantastic plays he's made and what an impact he already makes. Like I I think he's a huge reason why they can play at that at the pace and the style that they want to play.
1: Well that the interview that Eric Johnson gave after the game last night, I mean I mean someone who's as accomplished as EJ is and you know, 30 years old, top defenseman on the Avs, and and you know he's pretty much gushing about how well Sam's played the first two games, I and mean, that's you know that's tall cotton.
3: Yeah, it's it is exciting that he's getting the recognition and and that his teammates trust him, which is something they said on the broadcast, and they know that the puck's coming to him from Sam. So it's it is exciting, and I do like that pairing. I think they work well together. And like I mentioned last week, they have played together in the past, and they do they do complement each other well. It's not just like the big guy, small guy, but just um, EJ has a little bit of that two-way in him, but I read a co- quote from him that said that he was the one that's used to having to break the puck out, and now Sam does it, and that kind of frees him up to do other things.
1: Like be the lead four checker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i do think it works well and i i don't know how sam feels about this i i like him better on the left side um i i just sure? like what he's able to I, I like what he's able to do with the puck being left-handed on the left boards there um it just i, I just I, there were times last year when it seemed like playing on the right side maybe held him back a little bit
3: Sure, if you can, especially for a defenseman to play on the natural side, seems like ideal if you can do he's it.
0: Wrapped up. Um, yeah. What's been really interesting to me is to see exactly how much Ian Cole was dragging a piano in preseason and he just kind of let it go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, he's he doesn't look anything like that guy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. He's been really good. Um, very physical, um, yeah. You know, I, I think I think he and Barry are still working some stuff out um, as far as getting chemistry together because obviously they didn't really spend much time in the preseason together, um, you know. But I, I think that's going to pay off. He seems to be he seems to be able to handle that. Um, I mean, we'll see how it it works out long term, but um, you know, I. I, I like sort of what he's brought to that part of the lineup. Um, not that, you know, not that Z didn't do a good job with Barry last year at the end of the year. Um, but it's just, it, it seems like this is a role that, that Cole is sort of really built well for.
3: I felt like when they signed him, that Cole was intended to be Barry's partner. So even though they didn't really try that in preseason at it does seem kind of like what what the thinking was, and um, and it is tough to get Barry uh, a partner that he really meshes well with. But so far, so good. I agree; it's it's worked, and um, and all the defense has kind of, has been no one's been overplayed. They have played Zadorov a little bit less, but it, it is nice to see that none of them have really been overextended so far.
0: Yeah. And it's a really small sample, but I've loved Ian Cole on the penalty kill, and that really stood out against Philadelphia when he took the penalty, and the ensuing power play was a disaster. Samuel well, so, I mean, Yamal made like twenty-five Nemeth. saves <laughs> on that power
3: play, and he also didn't have Nemeth.
1: Right, right, and that's if you don't have either, them, that means it's EJ <laughs> and Zadorov, and it's like neither of those guys are really good around the front of the net. Um, so it's, you know, it, it, it sort of proves why Nemeth should be in the lineup, I guess. I don't mind Barbario on the penalty kill, but, you know, he's, he's better at sort of shot suppression rather than, you know, blocking shots and clearing the front off. Um,
3: well, I was th- thinking about yeah, Bar- Bar- Barbario has his good moments and bad moments. Uh, there was one yet other than running into Varley. There was one. I think he just threw the puck up into the slot, which I yeah. I have no idea why well, he does that every so often. But
1: yeah, that was his. I mean, for me, that was his one bad play last night. It wasn't running into Varley. It was that...
0: well. There were a lot of guys who were, had <laughs> some funky little failed clears like that. I, I I think we had most of the team donating to the clear the puck jar at some point during the game. Against Philadelphia, yeah. so I mean he was definitely not alone in that. But yeah, it was a pretty bad play.
1: But and the, and the funny thing is, is you know, we're going through the whole defense, and we have yet to really talk about Barry other than being Cole's partner.
2: Uh,
1: you know, it, it, I, I'm, you know, I don't think that Sam can take over for Barry right now. This day, you know, like we could trade Barry for Nylander and woo But but. Um, I think they could survive. Right. But, you know, you're starting to look at it at, at sort of comparing what the, the those two are capable of in and of themselves. And, you know, you're starting to look at Sam like, you know, he's he's a better version. Um, well, the, one thing, the reason one why thing I will say that I hate is they've tried it Twice. And that's putting Barry and Sam out together. And both times it's been a face-off that's been lost and then immediately goes back in the Av zone and they can't get out. Um, so I, 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 I wish they would stop that for a little while.
3: The thing, and I, I know we're not going to turn this into the trade Barry podcast, but the thing with losing Barry is, lo- if you got rid of him now, would be getting rid of an NHL defenseman. Yeah, it's not because you're getting rid of the skill set that that Barry and brings, skill set that he brings. Kind of like... Because even at this point, Gerard probably do most of what Barry does. At uh, Barry in the offensive zone, especially coming in off the rush, probably is still better. But I I think even now on power play one, Ger- they should really think about trying Gerard on it. Not that Barry's the problem. Why? It hasn't looked fantastic and that power play two has been more effective. It's just, if you want to score goals, you should try the defenseman that I feel is the most dynamic on the power play, plus your best forwards.
1: Yeah, I looked at this today in in breaking down, but I I looked at Barry and Sam's uh, uh, power play shot rates yeah, you know, just because they're basically proxies for the the first unit and the second unit, and it, it's it, it's at least a sixty percent difference as far as how much more shots uh, the, the second unit generates. And again, they're they're going to be against the second penalty kill unit usually. Is so, that
3: per sixty or is that yeah, total? It's a rate, per, okay? Because obviously, um, that second unit's had a lot less time as well, right?
1: Yeah, like Barry's played a little over nine minutes and Sam's played a little less than five. I but think. anyway, it's just, you know, the shot rates are higher. Scoring chance rates are higher. They have the only goal. Um, you know, they seem to be getting the puck into our favorite area, which is the inner slot. And using... <laughs> <laughs> it's sort using more weapons rather than what we're seeing from Power Play 1, which is a lot of perimeter shooting and passing around and, you know general fiddling
0: power play uh, one takes just an age to set up it comes in the zone the same way every single time and yeah maybe you do get into the zone that way but now you forced yourself into this static diamond that isn't really accomplishing anything i mean the the first power play needs a heavy heavy tweak i think oh, just,
1: uh, i put it out there that they should be benched for a game and just sort of think about what they've done you know it's like do <laughs> You know, do do you really want to be the top power play unit on this team if you're not going to go out there and and you know go for it because it really you know I know they're not just slacking off and resting and stuff like that but you know there's just no urgency and and we've seen this you know it's not just this year it's it's been for ages so that's why I
3: think you make the Barry Gerard swap like I said, I'm not blaming just Barry for it, but I think that's the kind of kick in the pants it needs without basically just using power play two f- as your first unit for a while.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, they're, they're just, they're not developing dangerous chances and it's not because they're, you know, they're bad players are obviously, you know, some of the best players in the league, but um, you know, it's just like making five passes and then Barry shoots it from as far away from the goal as you can possibly get and still be in the zone that, you know, what does that do for anybody?
3: I think I think it was Rudo that described in his in his review that it was stale, and I think that's the perfect description of it. It's not that it's bad, it's not that it doesn't work, it's not that the components of it are bad. It's just it's stale.
1: Yeah, um, you know, maybe, maybe it'd be fun to, you know, instead of swapping Sam and Barry, swap Miko out of there. Um and, and put Miko as sort of the featured guy on power play two, And I know that that gets him less minutes and you don't really want that. Um, but I, I just think that like, if, if you maybe use power play two more, maybe start them instead of power play one once in a while and use Miko as the featured guy on the other side, it, it gives the, the, you know, it gives the opponent a little more to think about, um, you know, because they're sort of gearing towards Mac on the, on the left side.
3: Then that would be kind of moving towards having two balanced units. You're not really, you don't really have one. You're spreading well, I want the talent that long out. Term. I, yeah. I think
1: honestly, the the best thing for everyone is if power play one starts playing better. So, um, but I just I, I think you know to get away from that stagnancy, <clears throat> that, that that you just you know you, you try some new things and and sort of try a power play that features Miko instead of Mac and just sort of see where that takes you.
0: I definitely think that putting Sam up on the first power play would would be a really good kick in the direction that it needs because of what his signature offensive move is. He puts his heavy spin on you, and you disappear from the screen. He creates a man advantage. You're already on the man advantage, so now he's creating a five on three. Because what the first power play does not do is move the defense around at all right now. They get in the zone. And then they pass to whoever happens to be open until somebody either gets bored and takes a shot or sees a shooting lane. But they aren't really doing anything that creates those shooting lanes. They're just kind of shifting around a little bit. Gerard will move yeah. that defense. Exactly.
1: Yeah, even on the power play, you still have to create your odd man matchups down low or wherever you are on you know on either side. So if you know if you're not being dynamic enough to create those two on ones or shooting lanes, then you know, you're you're not going to get good chances and that's exactly what we're seeing. And then
3: I've also suggested if you just can't live with taking Barry off power play 1, put Gerard in there instead of the fourth forward and see how that works. Like there's there's just no reason to not try to utilize the the advantages that you have.
1: I just uh, the, re- the one reason I don't like that is because it sort of makes the focus out in the upper zone, and that's exactly where they don't need to be focusing. They do it too much anyway.
3: But if um, the other team has no idea who's really move it, moving the puck from up top, and then we saw it last year where Barry and Gerard would switch sides, and both of them could take one timers. Like it's just a completely different look from what they do now.
1: I mean, I like that idea, but it's just, I want to see them, you know, again, we need inner slot shots. The point is right. I'm just saying either way. I'm just saying saying either way. way.
3: I mean, mean, if I had to choose, I would just swap Gerard and Barry for a couple games and see what happens. That's probably the easiest thing to do. But I think, I think as time moves on, it's just going to be more and more of an oversight not to use... Gerard on on the power play, on the first unit.
0: And so just to kind of wrap up our uh, effusive Sam Gerard praise, I, I want to share a blessed autocorrect. Um, I was talking to Ahmed on Twitter last night, and he, just, he, was, he was in town for the games, and he described seeing Gerard's play as very physics. Um, <laughs> he meant physical, um, but I think his <laughs> phone improved that just a little bit, because Gerard isn't somebody who can be all that physical without really like leveraging himself just so. I thought that was really cool, so yeah,
3: I wanted to, to I will, share
0: that take with you guys.
3: and every time we talk about Sam, I just have to say he just he's like a miracle. he really is to the franchise, truly.
0: so that's a lot of time spent on the defensive players for the Colorado Avalanche when maybe the bigger story this week so far has been the um the Jost and Kerfoot and Colin Wilson line
1: yeah they've been they've been fantastic and you know we talked about this a a little bit going into the season you know sort of you have three guys that are really different players and the skills they have are very complementary. They sort of each fill each other's needs and make up for each other's deficiencies. And the real question Mark was, you know, sort of how is Colin Wilson going to fit into that? And and whether a guy that that's got sort of limited puck skills and, and isn't a great passer or whatever is going to deal with, you know, a guy who's a great passer. And then someone like Joe's who, you know, he's a, a good rate shooter. Um, and I think we've seen that that it, it goes beyond the offensive zone. They're they're good in all three zones, and I, I you know I'm ready to start calling them the second line. You know they they were above the Soderbergh line in time last night, and I, I think the staff is going to be ready to to use them more than Carl's line going forward.
0: Jost <laughs> especially, but J- but Jost and Kerfoot both have been yeah wonderful without the puck.
1: Now, when we saw this in preseason, that Kerfoot was really, you know, he, he was sort of a level above where he was last year at, at breaking out and controlling the puck in the defensive zone. And Jost has been ferocious in the neutral zone, uh, both offensively and defensively. And that's, you know, that's Wilson's forte is, is being the the forecheck and, and neutral zone god. So, um You know, you really can't say anything bad about them. I mean, they're they're all around like you know, sixty six percent Corsi. I mean, two to one shots. Um, You know, they're just dominating out there.
3: It has been a good good idea, good construction there, and we talked about last week how Wilson does the things that the other two don't by creating space, and he's a bigger body, and it, it does seem like a really good match. I do feel like Jost has maybe taken a little bit of a backseat to the other two, but I don't think that's a negative. It's just that Kerf and Wilson have have really been going at top speed so far in the first two games, so I think Jost hasn't had the chance to really feature himself, but I agree that he's done all the little things right, and that whole line is clicking, so hopefully it keeps working and they stay together and... Like you said, we have a real second line, and of course Wilson deserves credit for p- playing well. He's He's been moving well ever since preseason. Um, two goals is definitely fantastic. I still don't think he's going to be the 20-goal Wilson. We'll see. We've seen a lot of early season performances that didn't quite carry on for the rest of the season, so I'm still born Can't imagine <laughs> what you're talking about. Or you know Yakupov, like at this time last year, Yakupov looked like he was going to get a three-year extension with the Avs. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, thanks for
0: that,
3: um, Matt. Matt <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I I obviously um, will consider the fact that he he will be a valuable piece to the team, and if he stays on that line, they keep producing, then obviously will be a valuable contributor on the score sheet as well. I just I don't think he's going to quite keep up the two goal um pace, but <laughs> you don't but we'll think he'll have two
0: goals a game? No. Damn it.
1: <laughs> well, look, I mean the great thing is is I don't think he has to. I mean, I, I think it's great that he had two goals last night. He probably could have had like five.
2: But
3: right, like you hope Jost is the one that's that's going to be doing this the scoring instead
0: moving forward. Eventually, sure. I mean, but I mean you even had Colin Wilson yeah. getting one
3: disallowed so there. So if Wilson's the one that's scoring, but it's just that you can't rely on that. I still don't think he quite has the the puck skill that he used to, but, you know, what he's doing right now is obviously working for him, so no complaints there.
1: If Col- I mean, where he scored from last night is what he's good at, like shooting from about four feet away. Um, and and if, if he can put those kind of goals in, that frees up Kerfoot and Joe's to score from more skilled areas. Um, so I think that can work, but again, I, I don't think Wilson scoring is, you know, is, is what's going to make that line great. Um, you know, he can screen, you know, he can do lots of other things in, in front of the net and on the boards behind the net, uh, that'll make it easier for, for Kerfoot and Joe's to put up points as well. So, um, you know, whether he ends up with you know forty points or, or thirty points or fifty points or whatever it ends up being, um, you know, I think he can contribute in ways beyond the score
0: sheet. It's what he does. Like it's not Colin Wilson specifically. It's the type of player that he is because Colorado don't have that many forwards who make it their role in the offensive zone to just take out the trash and finish off things that you know, the other. Uh, you know, finish off rebounds and make noise in the crease. I mean, it doesn't have to be Colin Wilson specifically. And as I watch that line, I keep thinking, what if that was a player who does exactly what Colin Wilson does, but has good hands?
1: Like Landeskog?
3: You mean, you mean like someone that's buried in the AHL? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you describe the same skill set that AJ Greer has.
0: Who's which that? was
1: on display for the Eagles.
0: I've never heard all of this AJ Greer. Tell me all about <laughs> him, but not right now. In a little bit, we're we're going to get to AJ Greer and the Colorado Eagles and all that in a little bit. Um, but uh, there's I'm sure that there's also you know other players in the system that could eventually like maybe even younger players than that that could fill that sort of role too.
1: Like a kid that scored his first NCAA goal for the Minnesota Gophers last night.
3: And apparently Minnesota does not believe in highlights. So oh. their first goal this season and Sampo Ranta's first career NCAA goal does not exist in evidence. In the- <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it happened. you taking in
3: some score
0: somewhere's word for it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> in 2018, just imagine it. He has a good <laughs> shot. That's what it looked like.
0: He got the pass for a one-timer, he faked it, he deked around two defenders, and then just roofed it Thomas Hurdle style.
3: (laughs) I know it was a wrist shot, so you might not Uh, be too far off. See, that's probably what happened.
0: In in the current (laughs) year, we can't expect video evidence, so that's probably what happened. Um, But yeah, that second line has been excellent. I'm really interested to see what it does as it goes on the road and doesn't get whatever matchups it wants.
1: Yeah
3: that that's, um, that's gonna g- be the next test for them, for sure, to be able to play that the way that they have the last two games on the road.
0: So let's zoom out a little bit um instead of like, we've been pretty hyper focused on this player or that line. but I want to look at the team as a whole because I've noticed a very large difference um but from where they played last season to where they're playing this season. And that's a more aggressive forecheck check just in general. It's something that, good teams have always done to the avalanche that's given them absolute fits because they have traditionally had so many defensemen that can't make an exit pass. Um, and seeing them cause that same havoc to other teams has been just a great breath of fresh air. I'm a huge fan of this.
1: Yeah. yeah it's, I, it's the play I, I fast it. thing. Yeah. The, the play fasting thing is, is part of it, but the, 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 the four check setup, they've been doing a lot of two man okay. and high level. Um, and having an extra four checker rather than just a, a sort of a, a one man four check with two and two behind him, uh, that puts a lot of pressure on the d- defenseman on the other side. And I, I think it's really led to their uh, shot share and shot totals increasing. And it's just it's it's a huge change and a a nice aggressive change rather than you know sort of the the passive way they used to forecheck. check and it, and I think they they feel comfortable doing it with all four lines now and that really helps.
0: The best it's- at this have been Tyson Jost, who is very good at it, um, J.T. Confer and Sheldon Dries, who are may- maybe less good at it but absolutely relentless. Um, those to, like, those three have been standouts for me defensively in the offensive zone.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I'm glad it's something that evolved into uh, Bednar's game plans, just because it was something that I kind of expected to see, you know, maybe even two years ago and definitely last year, and it, it never really materialized. Uh, you know, when you look at the way the Monsters played when they won the Calder Cup under Bednar... They were a really good forechecking team and very aggressive in the neutral zone, and we're we're just starting to see that now at the Avs, and you know the effects so far are pretty good. Seriously, so it,
3: it is, is
0: ours. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, it is nice to see the whole plan come to fruition. What Bednar wants to do, and it seeing it now just is such a contrast to what it was when he first came in obviously with the personnel and what he could do it's just i just think the contrast is just so crazy and to be able yeah. to see them execute at the the pace that he wants and the the aggressive manner that they play in it's it almost feels like a little bit like they're not in control but it's like controlled chaos in a way because they can play so aggressive
1: yeah, it's. I mean, it's and it's fun to watch. I mean, there's just nothing boring about. it. Go ahead
0: it. and give us that take.
1: Even when you're playing Minnesota.
0: <laughs> Especially when you're playing Minnesota because they're not quick enough to get away from you.
3: Yeah, they're left in the dust. And then you end up yeah. outshooting
0: them forty-one to twenty. Um, also, at kind of the macro level, is I I'm encouraged by what kind of goals they've been giving up so far. There, I mean, there have only been three of them, and. None of them really make you point at the team and go, uh-oh, that's a problem. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously the goal, the, Var- the Varley cover goal last night was, you know, ridiculous.
0: Yeah, that was a magic uh, bullshit goal. That happens. Um, yeah. Minnesota's goal was you know, Sam Gerrard makes a pass to a guy who was not really on his team. And then <laughs> Minnesota gets a, a one-timer from the corner to the crease. Like, okay. What are you going to do? Um, uh, maybe not make that first mistake, right? And then the the Philly goal was an out-to-lunch change that led to a breakaway. So these right. are things that you can iron out. I mean, you, you're not giving up goals that are like your entire defense gets blown away by a quick skater. Or yeah, no one's paying I mean, attention to the passes. Er-
1: yeah, they're and very the early tells- season-type goals. I yeah. mean, it's just these are mistakes. Yeah. You know, this isn't systemic failure.
3: And the penalty kill's been good. Yeah. I would also say how the goals have been scored as well. Like like we just talked about, a lot of kind of dirty goals in front of the net. Because the, these are ones that, when things aren't going well, it's tough for them to get. And they've had, what, three empty net goals as well. But they were all not made from nice plays. And then... Um, then seeing like Comfort convert on a shot is good. Seeing the twice, then the top line's not carrying them, but they made a couple nice plays for goals, like the McKinnon play uh, in the Philly game that that was cool. That was like different. And then you have Landy tipping tipping it in, and then the great play that Miko made to McKinnon in the in the first game. So there's a wide variety there of. Of kinda of getting dirty goals and then making I guess that you could call it heady plays, smart plays that that turn into goals quickly, I guess Soderberg's maybe you could consider like the prettiest or the most individually skillful goal, and that that was nice to see from him
0: uh to the power play goal that Soderberg was the pivot pass on
3: that too,
1: yeah. What I really like is that the bottom six has been very, very active and, and actually getting on the score sheet this year. And you sort of forget about the top line. And, and you know, I, McKinnon, I I haven't liked some of what I've seen from him. I call it the, the same thing JB does is, is, is being stubborn with the puck. You know, he's, he's doing a lot of bull rushing in double teams and things like that.
0: Kind of yeah, like the they, hero play. Yeah, that's what I call his <laughs> yeah. hero mode.
1: Exactly. But, I mean, they all have three points. Um, McKinnon is leading the NHL in shots with 15. 15 Fifteen shots! In two (laughs) games, yeah. Guess who's second on
0: the avalanche? Guess who's second? (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Johnson. Johnson with nine. Yeah. Because I know he had so many in the
3: Philly game.
1: Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, the the top line is really doing great things. And, And, you know, give Philly credit, because they're I mean, the the Giroux, Couturier, and Voracek line is a fantastic top line. I mean, that's a great matchup for McKinnon and, and those guys to go up against as far as sort of seeing where you're at against the rest of the league. Um,
3: yeah, it was so definitely a Just because test. they weren't
1: dominating last night, I wasn't really worried about it because that's one of the best top lines in hockey.
3: And it was a good test against a team that isn't slow and has good depth. And good forwards. Yeah. And good defense when they can move the puck. A and sneaky, good defense when they can move the puck. Yeah. Yeah, Philly could be a real good team. Their, their first game, they destroyed Vegas. So we'll see what else they could do.
0: Um, But it's just that's just the, kind of the, the point I wanted to get at there, was that the, the goals against have been, you know, oops, and mo- many of the goals for have been systemic success. Um, yeah, Obviously, Colin Wilson isn't going to score that often. He's going to get his shot saved. He's gonna miss the net. It's gonna happen. Um, but at the same rate, I mean, or at the same time, Nathan McKinnon is gonna have more of his go in. Like some yeah. of it. Like he's, he's he has a, a decent shooting percentage through two games. Like his two game shooting percentage. Blah blah blah. But when he's got fifteen shots, he's he's gonna have streaks where a bunch of them go in too. So I mean.
1: Yeah, I mean developing shots. I mean. I haven't even looked at his individual shot attempts, but it just getting 15 shots on net in two games—that's
3: um, that's outstanding.
0: Yeah, that's a man and on a mission.
3: <laughs> and I wouldn't even if I didn't know. Like, I or I've already seen that comment before, so I knew that he had that many shots. And I look at the box scores after each game, but it doesn't. I don't know if I would have if I would have guessed that these games he would have had that many shots. It didn't feel like it was just McKinnon shooting gallery.
1: Well, everyone else is shooting so much that it blends in and it's like, it's nice. It's nice when 15 shots in two games doesn't really stand out that much. It says a lot (laughs) about the other 17
0: guys on the ice. Yeah, exactly. So let's go ahead and dive into this week's stars and scratches. Uh, Jackie, do you want to start us off? Sam Gerard. Yep. Wow. Easy no one. Way. <laughs> <laughs> he
3: is literally a star.
0: He is a giant ball of exploding plasma.
3: Just <laughs> so much fun to watch, so smart, skilled, and you know he's only going to get better, so. That that's a gold star for all of us, really.
0: He's kind of the the easy and obvious one this week just because he's doing such visibly good things defensively that the the Avalanche franchise has needed so desperately for so long.
3: They just got so lucky. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's unbelievable. So fortunate. (laughs) I really do think if he stays on his current trajectory that he's going to be the difference between if they become a contender or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's. I I think people have just been astounded at at what he looks like so far this year. Um, My star is actually going to be Stars, and I'm going to nominate the fourth line as a whole because we haven't had a fourth line like this in probably ever. Um, Comfort, Calvert, and Sheldon Dreis, who is playing his first two games of his NHL career this week, um they all seem to be on the same page and play at the same pace and they've been extremely effective they haven't been quite as effective as the joe's kerfoot wilson line but they've been close i mean their their courses are all up around 60 percent too and it's really amazing what you can do from that sort of part of the lineup when you have some guys that, that can play well together and, and it's not like your power play specialist and a penalty kill specialist and a, a guy that can win face-offs. I mean, these are three guys that, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're playing as a unit and developing chances and all that. I, I just, I I find it amazing that you can actually have a fourth line like that.
3: Yeah. A line that you want to keep together and that you want to play. Yeah, I agree and I think I think all of them deserve some recognition and then uh, dries as well even though he's only played like 11 minutes total through two games. He's he's been effective in those minutes. He he led the team in hits yesterday with 4, which is kind of crazy with 6 minutes of time on ice and he's he's gotten shots on goal. He's he's been good defensively. He he made a really nice defensive play against Philly. So it, it is interesting to see how he's fit in, and if they're going to work in someone like Kamenev, which I know we'll get to later on, it's um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do because they're not going to want to break up that fourth line. But
1: Well, I, I found it interesting in the third period that I noticed uh, Dreis was up with Carl's uh, line in Nieto's place um, for at least one shift, and I think it might have been two.
3: That would be um, a good idea. I think if there's well, any negative, which I guess we'll yeah. get to when we get to our scratches, but um, exactly.
1: But it, you know, I I like the fact that even though he's only played, you know, a handful of minutes so far, that they were willing to say, all right, you know, it's like go go ahead and take a shift with these guys, and you know, we'll see what this looks like.
0: It's the kind of fourth line that I've wanted the Avalanche to have for years. So oh. instead of it being you know quadruple A guy ahl player ahl player just or just veteran
3: plug (laughs) it's
0: it's been some version of guy 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 yeah yeah and that's just not effective so very glad to see that they've been able to put something effective together this season um with apologies to um both alexander kerfoot and carl soderberg i'm giving my star to colin wilson because he is the one that's been scoring the goals
3: Definitely, deserves a star for this week, that's for sure.
0: He's had plenty of setup help, um, but the setup help doesn't matter if you don't finish it off.
1: Two goals and one called back. Not a bad
0: week at all. Yeah, can we talk about that real quickly? Because that rule sucks.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that it can't touch your hand at all, even though it's not like he batted it in or anything with his hand. Just...
1: So, so I get why um, they don't want to encourage people to do that. So it, it, the rule sort of makes sense. You know, I, I think it sucks for Wilson, but I mean, I understand they don't want people using, they don't want people cross checking pucks in, which is basically what he did. Um, you know, it's just people waving their sticks above waist level is not good. So I, I understand it.
3: Yeah. But, I'm not saying they it, that it was a wrong call. It just, It's unfortunate.
0: Yeah, I I get it that Not you too. don't want people just like wildly punching the puck in or slapping it in. Like I understand that, that's fine. Um, but with with apologies to Rockies fans, I know it's playoff time. I don't care for baseball too much, but I do care for the rule that if 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 you get hit in the hands with a pitch, it's a foul ball. Your hands are part of the bat. And yeah, I, and I really wish that hockey worked the same way that if you. Are trying to hit the puck in and you accidentally hit it with your hand, which is holding the stick. That should... Come on. Just be Just yeah. be fun. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think even Rudo brought it up that it's hard enough to score goals as it is. And the league w- wants to try to increase goal scoring all the time. And then so you have to look like at... That. Right, you have to look at... Okay, this was an actual goal that beat an actual goalie. It should be a goal... Why can't plays like this stand to help increase goal scoring instead of really tinkering with actual rules and things like that?
0: Because that's a bad hockey goal, and we want to encourage good (laughs) hockey goals. Right, can't we just keep the goals that already happened?
3: And there, you have more goals.
0: So let's look down at the downside. Um, I think I can already predict a couple of the scratches. I don't know if I know what all three we're going to come up with. <clears throat> Who do you scratch? Go well, ahead, because was... I've got
1: a hot take for mine.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I'll
3: say... Uh, I, I want to say, I guess, split it between Nieto and Bork. and Because I, I don't want to say the whole line, because Soderbergh has, has been good individually. Hey, p- pick it, one. Um. Nieto. <laughs> okay,
0: mine is Gabe Bork. Okay, go. Yeah, Nieto, Nieto's worse,
3: I think, but Bork is more of an issue on that line. You, ju- you just can't play him that much. He's not as good defensively as Bednar thinks, I, and I think maybe he started realizing it's not going to work in the last game because I, that line was terrible in possession, Against Philly, against Minnesota, they were the worst, even though it was still above 50, so you can't really complain, but you saw where it was headed. So I guess for me, I'd say Bork, even though it's tough to pick on just him, but it's just not going to work.
0: Okay, then if you're going to say Bork and, and steal mine from me, then I'll steal yours <laughs> from you and say Matt Nieto, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, because Matt Nieto has been, ah, not good. Yeah. Except That's for his assist on in. the Carl, though, that was a good pass. But
3: otherwise yeah. he didn't have a great preseason either, so it's it's a bit of a concerning trend. I don't know if he's just getting overplayed or what the problem is, but
0: Dennis Buthey
1: I just I you know, I think that the, the change that we've seen on that line substituting Bork for Blake Como is a major downgrade and that just makes it makes it more difficult for Carl to do the things that he's good at, and it, it really exposes Nieto as being bad.
0: Just very much ungood. So uh, go ahead and give us that take.
1: Okay, my scratch would be Tyson Berry. Uh, oh! And again, this isn't the trade Berry thread, but you know, it's like, you know, we're, the, the power play looks awful, and, and he's sort of the, the governing body of that. He runs it from the blue line. And it, it, it's looking bad. And uh, he hasn't scored a point yet. <clears throat> um,
3: I guess that's that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that, especially with lots of points being doled out. Like, right. Nemeth Patrick has a point. Nemeth <laughs> has a point,
2: right, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: you know, Patrick Nemeth has a point and Tyson Berry doesn't. So, you know, it's sort of tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, Every day you don't score, you're sorta of getting a little more behind. Um so i you know, I, I just I, I think that we need to see him pick up his game for that first power play unit to, to look better. And you know, it, he hasn't, it just hasn't done the, yet.
3: He hasn't done the things that make me really get down on him. When you yeah. can't control the puck and stuff like that. So he's not necessarily a scratch for me. I know I'm one of the ones that's a bit harder on Barry, so I can't really disagree with you. He's just not my scratch at this point. I I think if you're going to look for a defenseman this week, I'd say, unfortunately, probably Zorov. I think, collectively, he's had a worse week than Barry has.
1: Yeah.
0: He also gave us the Dead Eyes moment, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I don't like to
3: be too down on Z, but... I... I can't quite say that Barry's been worse than Zadorov this week, if
1: I'm being real. I well, I don't know because I I've, I have seen some things defensively that are typical Tyson Barry not being that great in the defensive zone type moments that that um, Ian Cole has really um, sort of picked him up. So that that's sort of also part of the hot take. It's as good as Cole is at being Barry's partner for the last two games. That's sort of. You know, that sort of shows that, that he needed someone to pick him up. You know, that's not a good thing either. So, you know, hopefully it's just sort of a, you know, two game small sample size and we'll get on the road and, you know, he'll throw three power play assists in, in, in Columbus.
3: Yeah. I'll have a five point game again and then we have to keep him forever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I've got, I've got one more downside for y'all. Um, As we head off to this road trip, no one knows anything yet, because today is an off day. But, uh, last night after the game, Gabe Landeskog was spotted hiking his happy ass into the x-ray room. Um, apparently he was, uh, looking unhappily about his wrist at some point during the third period. People have gone back and overly scrutinized, like, the highlights and stuff to see maybe what he could possibly be going in for. But he did play after that moment, but, um... If Landis Gog ends up having to miss a game or two with a with a wrist banged up, we're heading off to the road trip. Um, let's go ahead and speculate on who some of the top call-ups might be, and to join us for this conversation, he was too cool for the rest of the show, but say hello to Rudo. What's up, Ruto?
2: Hey, sorry I'm so late.
0: I,
3: I already referenced you a couple times, so you're here in spirit.
2: Sorry, it sounded like you guys pretty much were covering everything I would say.
3: We're glad to have you though. Good, good, good place to splice you in.
2: Got to make sure to get the pot over a hundred minutes. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> we um, haven't
0: even
3: begun Eagles
0: talk yet.
3: No, that's what, we're, <laughs> that's what we're here
0: for right now. Is who are these? Like, like we were talking before the show. Early, you were talking about the roster size. You said they probably needed to call up guys anyway. So, who are we looking at possibly Back joining at the, two of the, the show? Tri- Hey, everyone, Steph with a post-edit here. Um, Obviously, the team called up Vladislav Kamenev tonight. It was was after we recorded, but before I finished editing, which was really convenient, because then I could tell you the news, but we could still keep this really cool conversation. So, back to to the
2: show. Yeah, Yeah, the easy one's Kamenev. He's just head and shoulders above everyone else on the Eagles at this point. I mean, I know they've only played two games, but it's just obvious (laughs) how refined his skills are compared to a lot of guys down there especially if Landis got, needs like a maintenance day or something. I don't see how you could call up anyone, but Cam I, yeah,
1: I mean, we don't get time on ice numbers down there, obviously, but uh, I would say he easily has played the most of the forwards, probably by a lot.
0: Do we really not have time um, on ice to AHL? No, it's
3: a, no, it's a secret. That's They pathetic. don't want us
0: to have
1: that. Um, you know, obviously the Eagles had a little bit of a struggle this weekend in their opening AHL games, but, um, you know, he created a lot of stuff. Um, I, I liked a lot of what I saw from his game, and, uh, you know, if that's the guy they call up, I, I, I think they'd be, you know, wise to do so. Um, and I was saying before the pod that I thought A.J. Greer had a wonderful weekend, um, you know, it, he scored a goal. He it was did a fantastic power goal I'm, driving to the net with a, a guy draped all over him.
2: I'm a little skeptical just because we've seen this every year with Greer, where he starts right. out the season as this like total beast of a power forward and then we call him up and he kinda just does nothing.
1: Right. And but, I, I think he what? has to back them back that up a little bit more, but it's a good start. It is I
3: would uh, say
0: don't give him much to do is the other problem. Yeah, it's compared, it's, it's hard to fort to kind of wrench your way into a roster spot with 6 minutes of ice
2: time. It it is. And compared to some of the other forwards down there though, I I mean you have to put Greer up there. Logan O'Connor after almost making the team out of camp has done nothing at the AHL level so far.
1: He's been uh, brutal both games for me. Yeah,
2: he was not good. Uh, Shivarev has been good, but he's not getting enough ice time to even come close to getting a call-up either. Uh, as far as forwards go after that, I mean, I guess you could think about Kout, but he's definitely not ready for a call-up in my opinion either. And then you're talking about depth guys pretty much after that. Well,
3: there's Tone and Otto. He. That's true. It's, oh, yeah. Here's the... <laughs>
2: That it's it's his superpower to just be invisible. That's his entire game.
3: Yeah, I would say he was fine, and he definitely. I don't think he played a ton in that second game. It, he's like no, he's you just, just didn't kind of
1: it.
3: kind of like the app, <laughs> yeah. And last year he did show a little bit more skill in the AHL, so hopefully he has a bit more to give in that area. But he's he's kind of like. The guy, you know what you're gonna get, like, and he's also someone that you can have on the roster and healthy scratch. Here's my concern with the thought of calling up Kamenev is that I think he's earned it over all the others, and I think the Avs wanted him to earn it more than all the others. But is he gonna play? Are they gonna take Drys out of that line that we just talked about? Was so fantastic.
1: Well, Landy's hurt. have got it. They have to well, put okay, someone in
3: the
2: lineup. Yeah. Well, so based That's on the start. conversation you guys were having when I first dropped in, if you call up a Toninato, you're getting into that fourth line territory of guy, guy, guy. But if you can call just up, set up Kamenev, though, you, you can play a fourth line with skill.
3: Or maybe, I mean, <laughs> this is just way too optimistic, but. You scratch Nieto and you play Kamenev on that line. Whoa, whoa, whoa!
0: whoa, whoa. Yeah, I mean, we're all for that. Let's not get crazy here. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we're not gonna scratch NHL players for AHL players. That's never happened.
3: See, this is what I think is going to happen. They're going to call Tone and Otto up, and everyone's going to be like, "Okay, well, Cam's done. He's going back to Russia. They can't even call him up, and it's because they don't want him to just sit around. Like, if they call him up, you're going to use him." Yeah, you have to I, find a way to use them, right?
2: They do, but it now is the time. Like the f- second a forward can't go, now is the time to use Kamenev. Like there's no need to wait.
3: Yeah, well, I hope he gets called up, and I think he's earned it too. It's just, it wouldn't surprise me if they went just for Toninato because they know he can sit around all week.
0: Yeah, if if they go for Toninato, that's. That sends a message to me that Landeskog is probably okay, and tornado is coming along to be a thirteenth forward.
3: I see. I'm yeah. personally not worried about Landeskog. I'm really not. Like people go in the X-ray room all the time. Landy taped know. his
1: wrists up for like five years.
3: Yeah. Like I'm thinking, it more as they just need an extra guy because they're going on the road for the week. You really don't want to tempt fate just to save a couple dollars. Plus the Eagles are only going to play on the, the weekend for the rest of this month. And then most of their schedule is on the weekend. So you're also not taking a guy away from playing, but they're also going to be on the road when the abs get back. So, you know, that's more plain fair. So just call a guy up and keep him on the roster. That's why I also feel like they're going to need another defenseman, especially. Yeah. This is still a little bit iffy. Plus You should just have an extra defenseman anyway. I just feel like they're going to call up Lindholm just to sit around because he's the one they want to to have sit around.
2: I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat you are with the defenseman there. Like, it, it depends on where Nemeth's at. If Nemeth is pretty much fine, then whatever. They can call up Lindholm to eat nachos. It doesn't matter. But if we're talking about wanting to call up the best defenseman right now... It's gotta be Boykov or Melosh, those two. But they would
3: never are, do that. Like I, I that.
2: know they wouldn't. The apocalypse. But, <laughs> but those, like, by far, those two have been the best defensemen. Alt has been fine, but they're using him totally incorrectly. Um, Graves has been pretty disappointing, and, and pretty much everyone else outside of Boykov and Milash has just not been a good defenseman down there. <laughs>
0: also, taking but Alt think- to the NHL takes away their captain, so. Can't do that. No. I, th- I I think
1: part of Graves' problem is that he and Lindholm are together, and it's just they're you know they're so redundant that they just make each other worse. So it's, I it's think- hard to say. It's hard I- it's hard to say how bad either of them are because they both look terrible. But it's it's hard to say you know in a vacuum how bad.
2: I mean, are. I I think it's less that and more that Cronin just has no idea how to utilize Graves. Like Graves and Alts' roles on that team should be completely switched.
1: Well, I think they should be together.
2: Sure, but Graves should be the one activating offensively, and Alt should be the one on the defensive side. And instead, they yeah. have Graves and Lindholm as this like pseudo shutdown pair, and that's just not going to work. No, yeah, I, also I mean
1: it's 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 kind of funny that you know it's like the, the two guys that are the most dynamic offensively, and like Warsawski will be in this. Like he's just he hasn't played. I mean he missed all of camp. They drop him into a game, and he, you know, he looks like a guy who missed all of camp and got <laughs> dropped into a game. Um, it, yeah, don't even like get me started. Malosh on and Boykov—they they both missed a game. Malosh just because they forgot to put him in the lineup, and Boykov because he hit a guy too hard. Apparently, <clears throat> got a ridiculous game penalty. Yeah, Wasn't that call penalty. was
2: was not a good call. It was but...
1: silly. But, you know, it's like they've both been activating. I mean, you know, Nick has a goal. He had four shots last night. He looked great. You know, Boykov looked good in the first game. And then, you know, until he got thrown out, he looked pretty good yesterday too. Um, you know, I I think those guys are on the list later on in the year. I don't think either are really ready to play an NHL game at this point. I think that's probably you're looking at end of November, early December before they really look at that. But, um... You know, right now I'd call Anton up and get him out of that lineup. I just added. feel
3: like they have to placate Lindholm, too, because there's still kind of that. Is he really going to spend that much time in the AHL before pulling the ripcord? So I I think, if anything, they're going to always have to make him the first call,
1: especially Good. if get, they don't really... Get him have, out of there.
3: If they don't for, <laughs> foresee him playing, that's perfect, right? Like. Yeah ideally he would be like the the seventh or eighth defenseman that never has to play.
1: I just and... I don't think Bednar wants to play him. You know, I don't think I don't think Bednar wants to be in a situation where he might have to actually put him into a game. Who's like, we're, we're, we're getting option, into though. we're getting into Miro territory with him where it's like <laughs> you don't really want him on your NHL team and you definitely don't want to play him in the NHL. Miro That's where I that. feel
3: like he he fits too, but it's just I I think if Benner needed somebody from the AHL to play tomorrow, he would pick Alt.
2: Oh, yeah. Probably. Alt is his type of safe, steady kind of guy.
1: I just, I think his speed is going to be exposed, but
0: well, yeah, but that's obvious. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, um, those are some of the names just to kind of keep an eye on as we look ahead to next week. Um, So the, the Kamenev, Toninato, Greer, Lindholm, um, you, you gotta think they're gonna bring up at least one or two players to, to come along with, on this trip with them Yeah, you
3: have to unless they're just gonna be completely silly
0: And because next week the Avalanche hit the road starting on Tuesday with a 5 o'clock mountain start in Columbus against the Blue Jackets Philip Grubauer is scheduled to make his debut in net in that one uh, then on Thursday they're in Buffalo for a 5 o'clock mountain start against the now Ryan O'Reilly list Buffalo Sabres Finally, on Saturday, they're back in Denver for an eight o'clock Mountain start against the Calgary Flames, which is the That's hockey. Late. It's the hockey night in Canada, late game. So yeah, it's a eight o'clock local start. All games will be on altitude.
3: I guess we haven't talked about Varley either. I have fine especially. Yeah, I think he's gotten the check mark this week.
1: Oh
3: yeah. So Grubauer going to have to. He's going to yeah, start he's off a, on
0: the right foot.
2: How many games does Grubauer get until the Doomsday Sayers come out?
3: Oh, if he loses in Columbus,
0: it's... It's one. Yeah. If he gives up a single bad goal, it is one. <laughs> Even though the next time Varley loses,
3: he's he's out the door.
0: Yeah, it's, oh, I yeah. can't believe he traded a second for this guy. And, and then as soon as Varley gives up a howler of his own, it's, oh, I can't believe they haven't traded this guy yet. Uh, his contract is so bad.
1: Yeah, predicting these early season games against teams you haven't seen is just so tough. It really yeah. Six yeah, it gets wild. <laughs> I'm calling six points. Why lose?
0: Yeah, I'm calling six points too, because so far there's no evidence the team isn't going to go 82-0. and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um,
3: you know me, I can't be that optimistic, but they usually do seem to play Columbus well, even though it's better at home. They have to be Buffalo, or else I'm just going to lose my marbles. They have
0: to be Buffalo, or else. Good sentence. I'm always, yeah. I'm always going to agree with that. <laughs>
3: and Calgary's Calgary is sometimes tough for them, but that one's at home. Even though it's kind of like the pretend home game before they leave again for even longer next time. Right. This so is kind of more like a pit stop. I'll say four points. If they went on the road trip, that, that Calgary game might be a little bit of a trap.
2: I'll I'll go with the technically undefeated five points. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I could definitely see them going to overtime with Columbus.
2: Uh, I think so, too. I actually think Calgary will be an easier game than Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo really? I, I know. I don't I know. think Buffalo is good, but I think they're better than they've been in a long time. Amazing um, what having
1: a goalie means.
3: <laughs> I think it's just playing down to competition more.
2: Calgary is Calgary. They just get themselves into the into the neutral zone of hockey where they miss the playoffs or just make it and through two games so far, the Abs are a better team than that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, they they I saw that game their game against Vancouver and it just looked like a total snooze fest.
0: Okay, so that's that's a lot of optimistic predictions, but for good reason. Like we were talking about at the top of the show. I mean, Colorado have been playing very, very well through two games. It's
3: the Sunny Podcast.
1: I mean, when you have quality and quantity on your side, you can't lose.
0: Well, now we can blame you if they do. <laughs>
2: And when we lose both the quality and the quantity on Tuesday.
1: Come on, the Leafs have both quality and quantity and they don't
0: lose.
2: Oh, wait. Oh,
0: wait. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have full quantity because there's still minus one player. Duh.
2: If yeah, losing they to Ottawa, get that done? They got to get that done.
3: If losing to Ottawa doesn't make you call Willie nothing Will. <laughs>
1: What's it going to take for the Ducks to call Richie then?
3: Uh, Comtois dying? I don't know. <laughs> Richie, ain't,
2: Richie ain't getting a call unless he meets the Ducks demands. I think is yes. how that one's going. <laughs> Hi, we filled your job. <laughs> I'm so
0: glad we don't have to mess with that crap this year. It was so, so annoying.
3: There's always next year when they try to make me go take a bridge deal
0: ugh there'll be plenty of time for that conversation at another time <laughs> yeah
3: definitely
0: <laughs> so 4 points, 5 points, 2 votes for 6 points. That means 6 points wins. Oh yeah.
2: No complaints here.
0: Isn't that how this works? The whoever gets the most predictions is the winner.
2: Pretty sure that's the rules of hockey, is you just have to predict your teams to win.
0: It, it seems to be. I mean, have you ever been on? Never mind. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we will catch you guys back at the normal time again uh, this week. Thanks to thanks to Rudo for joining us. I mean, I don't know what was what was going on for. Obviously, there's some reason you don't you would say you're going to be here and then not for an hour and a half. So I appreciate you dropping by. Um, I was, was really hoping to get you on, on the, with the Eagles stuff, so thanks. appreciate it. Um, thanks for everybody um, who has tuned in again this week. Um, you can catch us... Um, well, you know where to catch us because you listen, but tell your friends you can catch us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Radio or at mixcloud.com slash Radio. We post every episode on burgundyrainbow.com and you can su- subscribe to us in iTunes. You can ju- listen to the show on uh, the Google Play music store. That is a word is a, it's a title that has too many words in it so I can never remember what exactly it is um, but Earl likes it I do and that should do it for this week we'll see y'all back at the same time next week head up to the Dirty Areas and have a good one it is So, um, what have you been doing with the Eagles, Ruto?
2: Um, so I went to opening night, um, and then obviously I didn't go last night, but I watched the game back. And I'm gonna do a video tonight. I'm gonna try and do weekly videos, just kind of recapping Eagles week by week, which I know Earl's doing the, uh, the Eagles desk stuff weekly too. I am. So, we're gonna kind of do that. Are you coming on here? I, I figured we should probably do a prospect podcast pretty soon.
3: Yeah, I think we definitely could.
1: Do you want to review the, the Eagles games this weekend?
2: Yeah, sure. We can go like in-depth on some of the guys that we had to it around, like Mace being absolutely terrible. <laughs> <laughs>